Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this second session in our series on Ephesians. Last week, Peter did an excellent introduction to the book of Ephesians, and today I'm going to continue that introduction while we focus our attention on our identity in Christ. And this forms a strong foundation for this book. So what is identity? Identity is who a person is in essence, the qualities, beliefs of a person or group of people that distinguishes them from another person or another group of people. This begins to be formed from birth as we internalize our parents' values. And again, there are other environmental factors such as where parents choose to live or have to live. And these also have implications for the people we end up hanging out with or the people we end up going to school with. Social scientists think that perhaps even more important than these factors I have just explained are how we think our parents see us. As we grow older, we come under the influence of wider macro culture and we begin to choose how we consciously or subconsciously engage with that culture and that continues to shape our identity. And of course, this could be uh, things such as social media or our circle of friends. Now, there can be many facets to our identity, and sometimes you can see that these are expressed maybe by a profession, so maybe we're teachers, or certain other contexts that we engage in, for example, as parents or as friends. Now, uh, we have lived in many parts of the United Kingdom, and um, Adi and I moved with our family to live in Sheffield 26 years ago. And I have to say, I very quickly found myself really warming to Yorkshire and the people of Yorkshire. And the people of Yorkshire are really fantastic there. One first thing I noticed is that Yorkshire people are laid back and that really charms with my own personality. And then in addition to that, you find that Yorkshire people are warm, Yorkshire people engage and relate to other people. And I really love that about Yorkshire people. In fact, to be honest, I see myself as Yorkshire. And um, I love those attributes of Yorkshire people. In fact, now I myself very much invite people to tea. And I don't mean to come and have tea at four o'clock. I mean, dinner. And oh, sorry, did I say dinner? Because that actually is lunch. Uh, I've really got into all of this stuff now as a Yorkshire person. And I have to say one thing I absolutely love about being Yorkshire is that I love a bargain. So maybe you can identify with that as well. Now, all of that combined together, we could probably say typifies a Yorkshire identity. A few months ago, I went on retreat. And while on retreat, I bought this card. And this card says, nobody's perfect, but when you're from Yorkshire, you are as close as you'll ever get. That really makes me smile. Now, when we come to know God through Jesus Christ, his son, he bestows on us a new sense of identity. That sense of identity is his identity that he gets to share with us, his children. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creature, a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. 
And God does this because he wants to show how much he loves us and also because he wants us to be an example for other people to see that this is how his children are. In the passage that we, uh, we're going to read in a minute, we're going to see that Paul paints this incredible picture of our identity in Jesus. Now, let us look at this passage. The passage is from Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verses 3 to 8 and then verse 13. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now we see from this passage that there are some very clear indications of the identity, our identity that God has given to us. So some of it is that we are chosen and accepted. We are adopted into God's family. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We're close to God. Now, don't forget that earlier on I mentioned that social scientists think that perhaps more than any of the other factors we talked about earlier, what shapes our identity is what we think or how we think our parents see us. So God is leaving us in no doubt of how he sees us. Those are the qualities of our identity that he has given to us and how he sees us in Christ. Living from this identity is obviously so different to living from how some of us see ourselves. Sometimes we see ourselves as rejected, orphaned, far off from God. Even sometimes we see ourselves as shamed, excluded and full of guilt. And that is not God's identity for us. That is not how God sees us. But I want us to check this out as well. Now, Paul, knowing that we might struggle uh, with accepting that identity, he then does something else in this passage. He makes us see the God who gives us this identity and how God gives us this identity, the manner of this provision of identity for us. He tells us that this identity is given to us in love. This identity is in accordance with his pleasure, God's pleasure over us, and it is not forced. It is given to us freely. In fact, it says it's given to us lavishly, not stingily. It says also it is in accordance to his plan, his plan for us, his plan A for us. So we can see that this identity God has given to us is actually intentional and it is comprehensive. I wonder how that makes you feel. 
It just fills me with great joy to know that I am not forcing God's hand to lavish this identity on me. It is his choice to do. Now, I guess you may say to me, Nika, that's really exciting. I share your excitement about this identity that God has for us in Christ. But you might ask, how do I apprehend or lay hold of this identity? But I want us to remember again that a child, when a child is born, their identity is shaped not by their trying hard to, to form this identity. Their identity is shaped by the simple fact that they are growing up within this family environment. In the same way, we as God's children have a family environment that we get to be raised in. And this is an environment where we encounter God. And that environment is in his word. In that environment, we get to be transformed as we open our hearts out to the word of God. And I want us to really realize that this is God's this is God's will for us. This is what he wants for us. He wants us to engage in his word so that we can encounter him. And as we encounter him, we can be transformed. Now, there are many ways in which we get to access God's word in this day and age. And there's never been a time, I don't think, in history where there is such easy access to the word of God. We have the word on phone, on our mobile phones. We have so very many different translations of the word of God. And what we need to do is to find a way that works for us. What way works for you? And the amazing thing is we could be listening to the word of God being read to us, maybe even when we're doing the dishes or when we're ironing, you know, that amazing chore that we all love to do. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who still does that. We can be listening to God's word. But the goal for us is Colossians 3.16. It is to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. How you do that depends on you, but that's the goal. And this isn't about quantity. This is about quality. Some of us might choose that we want to meditate on just one verse of scripture over and over, over again during our day. And we're allowing that word to soak into us and to help us dwell in God's words richly. So it isn't about how much of the word you know. It is about how much of the word owns you. Now, one thing is sure, as we get to know identity in Christ, that identity will be tested. That knowledge, that revelation of identity in Christ will get tested. And there will be times in our lives when we come to that test. Jesus also had his identity in God tested. So we know, for example, that after he had fasted 40 days and was coming out of the wilderness, he met, the devil met him and the devil tested him and said, if you are the son of God, make the stones become bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from the high, highest point of the temple because God has said he will give his angels charge over you. But Jesus, knowing who he was, didn't give in to the test of the enemy. He said, it is written. And that is why getting to know the word of God is really important to us when we come to our identity being tested. So, for example, the enemy could come to you and test your identity and say to you, but you say you are forgiven. Why did you do such and such a terrible thing? Are you really forgiven? 
But if we know our identity in Christ, we can say to the enemy, it is written in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has taken my sins from me. And sometimes it isn't even the enemy that tests our identity. Sometimes it is a false belief that we have internalized, maybe because of our experience when we were growing up, or maybe even when we as grown up have lived with an abusive person. And sometimes that may make us doubt who God says we are. So you might ask yourself, how can God love someone like me? I don't deserve his love. Again, the scripture says in Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, in my own personal life, I've come to times when I have had serious trials, and you probably have had the same too. And again, that is one point in our lives when we see our identity in Christ being tested. When I fell ill a few years ago, obviously our whole world was rocked. And at that point in time, it is very easy for me to begin to think, does God really love me? Or for Ada to think, how could God let this happen to me? Does he really care about me? Over the years, we have pursued knowing our identity in Christ. So when the rains came, as the scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, and the waters and the storm hit, we found that our house that we had built upon the rock that was Christ stood firm. We didn't doubt God's love for us. If anything, we knew that he loved us and he was going to see us through this. There is one other thing that I'd love us to see in this passage. And we would find that in this passage, Paul begins to speak of something else. Um, when he tells us about our identity in Christ. And he talks to us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. So Paul says, for this reason, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So it feels to me that Paul is saying here, yes, you need to know what your identity is in Christ. Yes, you need to know how lavishly and warmly God, has, God wants you to have this identity. But in addition, he's saying there's one more thing you need to know. And that is the important part that prayer, play, prayer plays in knowing our identity in Christ. It shows us here that for us to hold, to lay hold of our identity in Christ, we will need to also bend the knee. We will need to be praying for ourselves that our eyes may be enlightened, that our hearts may be enlightened for us to know what God says about us and for us to live out what God says about us. Now, I'm sure like me, you also love to pray what I would say, give us this day our daily bread prayers. And those are the prayers about our lives, what we need to do, what we want God to do for us. There is nothing wrong in praying, give us this day our daily bread prayers. 
But in addition to this, Jesus taught us to also pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the prayer that Paul is pointing to as it points us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses um, 13, uh, 15 and 16. That is the prayer that Paul is pointing us to in this passage and also later on in Ephesians chapter 3. He's saying to us, we need to be praying that these qualities that form our identity in Christ will come to be what we'll, how we live out our Christian walk. I want to finish by telling you a little bit about me and my father, my earthly father, that is. Every time I ring my dad and speak to my dad, he will always call me by my full name, Adenike. And I want to say it's not because I've done anything wrong. It's just a way of endearment. But he also adds to that Omoba, which in my first language means child of the king. And I have to say for many, many years, I would hear those words, Adenike Omoba, and I would just hear it and it would not necessarily register with me. But as time went on, I began to listen listen, properly listen to what my father was saying. Effectively, what my earthly father was doing was calling me upwards in Christ, calling me to who I am in Jesus, that I am the child, a child of the King. And that's exactly the same thing that Jesus is doing to all of us. He's saying, you and I, we are children of the King. And we can choose to not hear our identity in Christ as we read in scripture as white noise, nearly like I was hearing my earthly father. But we can see our identity in Christ as a gift that God wants to give to us. In fact, a glorious inheritance in the saints, as scripture says. God is inviting us to explore this riches of his glorious inheritance, and it will take us a lifetime to do this. But we need to start this journey now. We need to get on the train and not get derailed by the enemy's attack or by how we see ourselves, our own false beliefs. And maybe you're hearing this and you haven't ever started on this journey because you've never known Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. He wants to give you this inheritance. You too can come to know him as your Savior and your Lord. And it's really just so simple. It wants, all it takes from you is to make a decision in your heart that you want to follow him and then also to confess that with your mouth in prayer. I want to finish by leaving us with a couple of questions. And these questions are, who or what are you allowing to determine your own identity? Are you letting the word of God do that or are you letting the world around you shape your identity. The second thing is, how will you choose to invest in growing a sense of your God-given identity in these times that we're in? Obviously, we are in unprecedented times, and I'm sure you've heard that so many times now. And it's really important for us as children of God to live from the identity that God has given to us and not given to fear or confusion. And God wants us to do that. So how will you choose to invest in growing your sense of your God-given identity at this time? Shall we pray? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you lavish that love on us. You freely give us an identity in Jesus that is of us being chosen, being loved, being included, being forgiven. We thank you that there is so much more that you want us to explore in your word of the identity, identity that you have given us in Jesus. Father, would you help us to make choices that help us to not only know, but to grow in that identity? Would you help us not to let the world de determine our identity, but to let your word determine our identity? We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.